Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for graphic designer Jacob Cass. I had the choice to renew my visa or not, and we decided that we would go traveling instead, and I decided to go full-time freelance and continuing to travel now. Working on the road is great. The technology is all there. Everyone's working digitally now. I have a steady stream of traffic to my website, which helps getting leads and consistent work. And that has come through many years of content marketing, blogging, um, social media, and all of that. The best thing is freedom to explore and work when you want. Yeah, so there is Jacob, who is a freelancing digital nomad, somebody who is freelancing whilst permanently traveling and really looking forward to this chat. Like, this is, I don't know where we're at, 134 episodes, 135, something like that. I have tried to get digital nomads to speak to me before. It is really hard. <laughs> it is really hard because. It's often so difficult, not just time zone wise, but for like uh, if they're in remote places, they don't maybe know their itinerary. They don't want to commit to a certain time because then that you know they want to get on the move again, or the broadband drops out and it's really bad, and we have to reschedule. Like, hopefully there will be more, but genuinely, it's taken me this long because it's tricky because they're permanently on the move. Jacob, however just happened to be in London on his website you can see his like itinerary so where he's traveling to and I noticed that he was in the UK I've been meaning to talk to him for a while and I pounced I was like yes okay you're in the UK let's talk and and yeah conversation coming up with Jacob who is a graphic designer but also traveling permanently so looking forward to that if you've ever thought about doing it before then should be a good one right what else have I got to mention ah yes If you listen to this when it first comes out, this coming week will include National Freelancers Day in the UK. We are doing the podcast live. You will get to hear it at some point, one hopes. But if you're in London this week, as this goes out, that is, Thursday the 28th of June, it is Ipsy's National Freelancer Day. Just Google it. I-P-S-E is Ipsy National Freelancer Day. Uh, You can get tickets. They don't cost much. But if you use the code SPEAKER20, you will also get money off. And if you're there, come say hi. We're doing the podcast live. I'm also doing a workshop on video and audio for freelancers as well. So please do come along to that and say hi. Otherwise, of course, if it's past that already listen out for when uh, you can hear that live episode. Sign up for the newsletter at beingfreelance.com and you'll find out when we do things like this in advance so that you you don't miss out. They're all in the UK, the speaking things I've done this year. But hey, if somebody wants to invite me to go to Australia (laughs) or, or New York or anywhere else, yeah, then please get in touch. I'm, I'm very up for traveling. Being freelance dot com. Okay, right. Also at the website, you can check out all the other guests. There are articles and the vlog. Remember, I document my own freelance week there as well. So you can see that all at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's crack on. Say hello to freelance graphic designer Jacob Cass. Hey, Jacob. G'day, Steve. Hello. So, yeah, you can tell from the good day that Jacob is from Australia, but that's not where you are right now. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing all about that. But, yeah, first of all, let's let's find out how you got started being freelance. I started, actually, I've been freelance ever since I started learning about design. And that wasn't 100% full-time freelance, just kind of like moonlighting. And this was probably 2007, 2009, the years when I was studying design. 
And since then, I've worked for agencies. I've worked for myself while moonlighting. And in the past three years, uh, I've been freelancing full-time while traveling. So that's where it brings me up to now. So you were freelancing from a base before you set off on your travels, was that? Yeah, so it's, it's a longer story than that. Um, I just kind of condensed it for you there <laughs> to further what I was saying. I, I, I studied in Australia for three years uh, in Newcastle. And then after that, I graduated and moved to New York. And I worked for an agency or a number of agencies there for about four years. And I was also freelancing during that time, running my design blog, Just Creative, while also working full time. And after those four four years there, or four or five years, no, actually five years, I had the choice to renew my visa or not. And we decided that we would go traveling instead. And we just took out, I decided to go full-time freelance. And it's worked out great and continuing to travel now as well. Wow. So you say we, so you headed out with somebody else. Uh, my wife, sorry, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So um, was she self-employed as well? Is she freelance? She was working in in New York as a teacher and a nanny and on the road she's my PA and uh, keeps me organized and works under me as well yeah so you sort of packed up on your job but you packed your bags and set sail at the same time or uh, got on a plane or whatever like how did that feel as you, you headed out did you have like a load of clients ready or did you think right I've no idea where I'm going and I have no idea who I'm working for but I'm out of here Yes, yeah, it's, 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 I wouldn't recommend just going out. You do have to plan. And I, I had the foundation of my website and blog, and I, I have a steady stream of traffic to my website, which helps getting leads and consistent work, which I'm very fortunate for. And that has come through many years of content marketing, blogging, um, social media, and all of that. And that's allowed me to do that. I've always had this travel blog in me, and I've always wanted to travel the world for a, a, a long time. And I kind of had to convince my wife to do that, um, which eventually she agreed to. And we haven't looked back since. It's it's actually much more affordable to live on the road and work than to live in a place like London or New York, which is very expensive. You know, even Sydney is, is terrible. So advice I do give to people is if they do want to do that, you don't have to go out to the big like European countries or the rich places. You can start in Asia. It's much more affordable there. Southeast Asia would be the perfect spot. And you can start building yourself up. And that's actually quite, uh, I say, easy, but uh, easy in comparison to doing something at home where you have overheads and many expenses. So, so your blog, Just Creative, was kind of key to a lot of this. So you started that when you were full-time employed? I actually started when I was studying. Originally, it was called Just Creative Design, and I started as a place to document my design process and my learning and my studies. And when I was doing that, it was just for fun, and I learned about blogging. This was uh, before it turned into the word content marketing. It was like real close-knit communities, and I learned about blogging as a, as a tool to promote yourself. And from there, it turned into something bigger, and I, I now use it for affiliate marketing, promoting my work, and so forth. So you started out documenting your process so how did that change yeah so originally it was documenting my studies and like me doing design projects what I learned and kind of translating that into articles for others to to comment on and give advice to so it was kind of like a learning curve and sharing my knowledge as I learned it obviously I was was still a student then but it was still valid and a lot of the articles I wrote during those years are still some of the most popular articles on my site today so it's kind of interesting and how did you go about growing an audience for that? Like, where, how, how did you do that? 
Uh, back in the early days, it was, it was much smaller community, so even commenting on other people's blogs, doing guest articles. You still do that today, but there's so much more noise out there. It's a little little harder to grow. But, yeah, it's 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 all the things that people are using today for social media, Facebook and Twitter, content marketing, like writing articles that will get traffic to your site. And that's how people find me. Like if I, for example, I specialize in logo design and branding. So a lot of my articles are tailored around that topic. So potential clients can find me as well as other designers wanting to learn about the topic too. Yeah. And do you find that as well as people perhaps, I know, Googling graphic designer logo or whatever, like people might follow you for a while before they contact you for work? I do know of people who have done that. Um, generally, people looking, they're looking for something at that moment. But I have had people say, like contact me like four or five years down the track saying, I've been following you this whole time. Uh, I love your work. I finally uh, have a project for you kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a long, it's a long game. Yeah. So you headed out with that and clients came to you via your blog. How did you find working on, on the road? As long as you have the consistent work coming in, which I, as I said before, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, through people contacting just through email or, or referral, word of mouth or through social. But the biggest is Google, as I say, all those things. Working on the road is, is great. The technology is all there. Everyone's working digitally now and I hardly ever, ever meet people in person. It's like 99% of my clients I just do via email or phone or Skype. And what does it like? What does it a day or a week look like to you? Like, so when you're permanently on vacation, <laughs> do you take time out? Do you like uh, this week is a work week? Do weekends exist? Like, how do you <laughs> how do, how do you get the work done and the travel done? Yeah, it's interesting. So the best answer is it's a lifestyle. It's a different kind of lifestyle, and I generally have a pattern of working in the mornings, like three, four hours in the mornings, just because I'm super productive during that time. And then the rest of the time you can sightsee or go about other things. So that's how I've found to work. And it, it does change. You have, to, you have to be flexible because in some places, like when I first started traveling, it was a little bit quicker. You had visa restrictions, for example, in Europe, it's expensive to live. So you kind of move a little bit quicker and you, you can only, as an Australian, you can only have three months in Europe. So you kind of want to see a lot, but still take it, like at a mid pace but these days i'm going a little bit slower taking it easier and seeing getting more in depth into the country and um, that's allowed me more time to work on the business as well and um, i'm enjoying it more so that's kind of where i'm at and there's no there's no secret to work-life balance it's different for everyone i have a very organized wife who who does all the travel organizations so the hotels and flights and things like that and then i do the the design work which brings in the the majority of the income as well as the blogging and how about dealing with getting paid like do you have i don't know an american bank account or an australian bank account yeah so i have i have a us bank account australian bank account and paypal so my business is, is is registered in Australia, always has been. I paid tax in Australia, paid US tax when I lived in the States. Mostly US clients, to be honest. So it's usually US dollar, which it works well right now in this economy. I see. And then when you're on the road, do you have to worry about the conversions and like Well, I I the US dollar, I go whatever's strongest. And a little trick I do use is to get paid into PayPal and then I get paid in US dollars and I I keep it in my PayPal account, wait for the dollar to go up and I change it to Australian dollars and that way you can earn more money on, on that. So you have to have enough cash flow to be able to do that, but I found that as a little hack to, to earn a little bit of money. Obviously, there's risks to that because it can go the other way, 
but um, most of the time it, it bounces back and you can earn a good like like five to seven percent extra and so even though you're not living in australia and haven't done for ages you can you continue to pay tax in australia like that's that's how it works is it well you have to be a resident somewhere tax is a very boring subject and uh, I, but it is interesting because when I lived in the States, I was a resident in the US, so I didn't pay Australian taxes. And then uh, I'll, I'll have to go through the books of the US tax system. And there's all different legalities of it. And I had an accountant in Australia, an accountant in the US, and that specialized in dual citizen, or not citizens, but dual residency. And he helped, he helped me a lot. And it was, it was difficult at, at first. Well, tax is always a little bit tricky, but he got me where, to, where I had to be. And then uh, as far as actually getting the work done, how do you stay on top of that? Everything is, uh, I can be on buses, trains. Like, yeah, if I'm sitting down going somewhere, I'm often working because it's like downtime to me and I'm productive in the mornings, as I said earlier. So that's kind of when I focus to, to work on and there's no set place. I'm just flexible now. I can be anywhere. Are you permanently backing stuff up in the fear that sand yeah. gets in your, yeah. in your laptop? Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have three backups. And thankfully, I did have a backup because I was in a pretty remote island in Thailand and my SD card broke, so couldn't access anything. But I did have like a backup from a week ago and I had to get an SSD card shipped in from, I think, Hong Kong to this tiny island, which they did. Paid a fortune for it, but I, I, it worked. And yeah, backups are important. Even even I have, I have physical backups, and I have cloud in the cloud backups as well. So very important. Man, what what has been like the the sort of biggest challenge of living that lifestyle? Uh, good question. It, it it is the balance thing because you get to a place and you're like, oh, I'm here. I have to go out exploring. I have to feel what it's like. But you have to an income as well. So that's pretty tough as well as I guess spending enough time with the significant others or friends as well as working. But this goes anywhere. It's, it's not just about working on the road because everything is done digitally. All my services, the software tools I have are, are with me. And yeah, there's, there hasn't been any limitations really. How long do you spend in each place? Like how often are you on the move? Yeah, good question. It, it, it does depend entirely because we generally plan in three to six month segments, like the countries and whatnot, just because of airfares and uh, logistics and all of that and planning with other people we're going to meet up with. I wasn't even going to be over in Europe, but my dad sprung on me that he was getting remarried in Italy uh, like a month <laughs> and he gave us a month notice. And like, weirdly enough, we just moved to moved over to Italy and now we're in Italy for the three months so that we can be in Europe. And yeah, we just put an itinerary around three months at places we'd like to go and we had, we'd missed last time and went from there. So there's no set structure. We're just nomads, really. But we all always call Australia home and eventually we're going to go back there. We have a kid on the way in about six months in November, we'll have a kid and we'll probably uh, nest there for a while. And then who knows, pack, pick up and go somewhere again. Wow, congratulations. So you've had success with your graphic design blog and you didn't perhaps realize what it would turn into at the time and how useful it would be to you. But I'd noticed you have a travel blog as well. So is that also a, a revenue stream? Like, Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of revenue stream uh, with advertising, but nothing to write home about. A few hundred a month tops uh, in terms of uh, like ad revenue which is not uh, nothing in terms of the big scheme of things. But in terms of 
contra deals and things like that, that's where the money's at because you can stay at luxury hotels and have free tours and things like that in return for like reviews. So we've, we've had like a four night stay in the Maldives for free with everything included, like this scuba diving or like lobster buffets and everything like that in return for some writing uh, on our blog. So we, we have a lot of traffic. Um, we're not so big on, on social media. It hasn't really kicked off on there for us. But in terms of website traffic, it's um, going pretty well. And it's been enough for us to have leverage to help other brands and want, want who want to work with us. Because like social media followers, they're, they're just numbers really. And some people, they don't have the engagement and they don't have the SEO traffic, which is what really important, actually. So that's our biggest leverage right now is that we have the traffic online and that the, the articles are going to be there for a long time and that you're, they're going to get long-term effects rather than just like a, a post that's going to be buried within a week. That's that's what we're using. And do you approach that like from a business point of view? Is that something that your wife takes care of when she's planning? No, actually, I, I help with that, the business side of things. She does all the writing. Um, for all the articles and I'll do the photography and the, the SEO and then the social media marketing. I'm, I'm teaching her uh, how to do that as well. But in terms of reaching out to people, I generally work with her. Em- Emily is her name and uh, we collaborate together and work with the hotel. So it's a bit of a 50-50 split, if you say. Do you present them like with um, a media pack and like like show lots of stats and like is it does it come across – as this this is a business when you approach those sort of people yeah we have a just a one pager really and then a, a intro email telling us about what we can do for who we are what we can do for them and like our target audience and generally like probably 70 percent of the time we won't get a response but the other times people will reply and we'll, we'll figure something out that's so cool what's what's been like the best thing of living this digital nomad lifestyle well the free the freedom is the biggest thing and you can explore new places uh, experience new things and we put our values in experiences we're not big luxury travelers we don't put value in fancy hotels but occasionally we do reach out to them because yeah it is nice to have it but we often go to places to explore and we're never in the hotel so that's why we don't value it but sometimes you do want to just relax and chill out and use all their facilities and then we will do that so that's the best thing is is freedom to explore and work when you want. And is there a com- a community of people like yourself that like you're all bumping into each other? I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a huge community, but the world's a big place. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of people doing it. I don't know the background of every one of them, but yeah, there's especially on Instagram. There's a lot of travelers and uh, influencers on there. And I think the digital nomad scene for designers and developers is a little bit more, they don't move around as much. They'll stay to like a place that is more of a hub and they'll work at like a, a co-working place. So there's that kind of traveler and then freelancers who just do lots of traveling if they like that. But I think that's a little bit smaller. But you definitely don't run into them that often uh, unless you're staying at hostels and, and things like that. But the, where we're at right now is we generally just enjoy our company together and we're, we're moving less more away from hostels and like have you made like work connections along along the way with those sort of people only only through social it hasn't been in in person so through through following each other and chatting about where you're up to and stuff yeah exactly and occasionally we'll meet up like if we're in the same spot like it happened the other day in in malta someone messaged me on 
on Instagram because I was just posted a, a photo on Instagram of Malta because we're working with the Malta Tourism Board and they were going there the following day and I told them the place and then randomly enough, I, I ran into them, literally ran into them and uh, that was a weird experience. And other times I had been following them and then kind of just started chatting with them and then said, I, I'm in this place um, next week, you're going to be there and then would meet up. So that's happened a, a small handful of times, which is interesting. And and this whole time that you've been doing this, so a few years now, are you also thinking about longer term? Uh, so obviously you're, you're starting a family now. So you don't need perhaps much money in certain places, you know, to get by. But are you also conscious of thinking about the future and like, do you put money aside and think about when that day comes? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like we do have the the idea of settling back in Australia, as I, I mentioned before. And yes, we're, we're obviously saving for eventually a house and whatnot. So we, we do have that, you know, the back of our minds that you can't travel forever, especially when kids start going to school and things like that. They need more of a, unless you want to homeschool. But I think there's more benefits for to have a, some roots in the ground for once kids are in school. And well, that's my opinion. And I think we, we still have another five, six years before that happens. So we've talked about it and yeah, we are planning for the future and, and I think you have to. So as well as using the blog to sort of build up your reputation early on in your career, I noticed from your website, for example, that you've entered awards, speaking, things like this. So there's obviously been other ways to to grow yourself. When did, when did you get into speaking? I've only spoken a handful of times. I don't enjoy it because I haven't practiced enough to be a good speaker and I, I get nervous like everyone else. And I had this opportunity to talk at TEDx one year and I couldn't deny that. And I, that's when I, I started getting into it more. Speaking is a good way to get your name out there more, but personally, I haven't done it much. When when you say you had the opportunity to speak at TEDx, had you been like floating the idea to people so that they thought to ask you in the first place? No, not at all. I, it was a cold call, really, cold email really that's so cool so it's like you know what you're talking about you're a handsome chap let's get you on that stage <laughs> exactly that's how it happened and yeah i regretted it for like <laughs> next month but then i finally got myself together <laughs> it worked out why because you were constantly thinking about what the hell am i going to say yes exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's fun like did you find that doing a talk took a lot of effort did it distract you from your work like how was that experience? It's just putting something together. I think it was a 20-minute talk and just something to talk about for 20 minutes and not bore people is, is key. And because it was the first time I'd done the presentation, I hadn't practiced it many times, so you can definitely see my nerves and all of that. But I think if you practice a, a talk well or know this, this subject very well, it may come off easier. I ended up talking about some of the how I overcome some visa issues in the States. Like I got kicked out of the States and had two weeks to to leave and get a job and I kind of talked about that and how I use my blog and social media to find a job and come back to the States and all of that so it was a personal topic and with the underlying theme of personal branding. Mm. How did you use your blog and social media to get you like were you actively approaching people when that happened? You'll have to watch the video. Ah <laughs> such a tease. You have awards listed as well was that something you actively go after? Yeah, in, in the earlier days, I, I went after the awards more and whether or not they, they work, I'm not I'm not sure about sharing your, your experience. They, they, they do have some merit, but these days awards are given out so easily and there's an award for this, award for that. And I don't think they have as much merit these days unless they're, they're quite 
well known, but they're generally just known in the industry, not so much to other clients because you could make up any award and like the clients probably wouldn't have heard of it. So I don't know. I have a weird stance on it. Like I use it, but I don't know how powerful it is. And I don't, I don't really trust awards. Say. <laughs> Did it make a difference to you at the time? Like not perhaps to clients, but to yourself? Uh, definitely. And because you need to give some merit to your work and you have to promote yourself. And it's all part of the, the package, really having testimonials and having some awards on your belt or even uh, whatever you can. Like if you've been on press, like on, on articles or like a press page, more or less. So all of this helps. And I, yeah, I generally just put it on my about page because people want to, people go there to check, check you out to see what, what you're all about. And it's a good place to put it. Okay. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay. My father is a magician. I've never broken a bone and I lived in Sweden for a year. Hmm. Okay. Oh God, I hope your dad's a magician. That's a good fact. Does he have a magician's name? He does. What is it? Phil Trust Me Cass. Phil Trust Me Cass. Was he like a, a magician when you growing up? Was is is that like his main job? It is his main job, actually. Yes. Still a magician today. You have never broken a bone in your body. There's not much I can ask about that, to be honest. But you lived in, where, where did you live in Sweden? In Gothenburg. Hmm. And um, what what were you doing? Like, was that before you went to New York or? Yes. How did you get on, you know, did you speak Swedish or? I tried to. <laughs> not very well. Okay. You have been brief with all of your answers. Ah, which is annoying because often people. <laughs> Magi- okay, no, uh, magician, magician. What's your what's your what's your favorite trick that your dad does? He cuts and restores a tie. Oh, that is a good one. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go on this basis. I want your dad to be a magician, so I'm going to say that's true. Have you ever broken a bone? You see, unless maybe actually the truth is you've broken almost every bone in your body. Maybe maybe there was a terrible skydiving accident when you were traveling. And that is that that's like the catch of this is actually you've almost broken every bone in your body. But I like the fact that you picked Gothenburg. It's not the most obvious place to pick, which makes me think that is true. I'm going to say the bone is the lie. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> Have you broken lots of bones? No, I haven't. Just one. Oh, okay. Which one? Uh, in my ankle. And it's actually still fractured now. Oh, as in it was recently or it's just never healed? No, it's not. It's just never healed. But it doesn't really give me grief, so it's fine. Ooh, you're not permanently walking around with like a big, like like some sort of stormtrooper from Star Wars? <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's only it hurts if I'm playing too much for you. Ow. Ow. Okay. Right. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Let's say learn from others. And that's a very broad thing, but like you can, I think the best way to learn is to see other designs and, and I'm talking about a design freelancer here. Um, if you wanted to become a designer and learn design to learn from others and see, you can emulate and not directly copy, but I use that word loosely, just whether or not it's a design, you could copy that design and learn from that. I'm not saying post that in your portfolio, but it's a good way to do things yourself in a, in a way that 
you can learn from. So, one thing I I meant to ask because obviously you, as part of being a digital nomad, you, you mentioned that all of your clients are remote. So, do you have any tips on working? You know that remote relationship, that side. Of it. So, so not actually like logistically, but rather, yeah, managing that client relationship when perhaps you're not speaking to them at all. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty bad person to ask about that because I I purposely don't have a mobile number that clients can contact me on. I use Skype pretty much exclusively with the email because I'm always in different time zones and my clients are in different time zones. So we often have to figure out a time that works and when I'm not out exploring and it's in the morning. So it changes and I just have to stick to that and that's worked very well. And people mostly go by email these days and then just for like the initial contact and, and you can line up a time to chat better. Uh, and that has worked for me. So is there a, you know, like a knack to managing that email relationship so that it runs smoothly? If there is, let me know. <laughs> yeah, email is... Ugh. Awesome. Listen, Jacob, thank you so much for talking to us. If you want to link through to what Jacob is up to, please do go take a look at his graphic design work or link through to his travel blog as well so you can see what that side of it looks like. So beingfreelance.com is the website and that always has links to all of our guests and of course there's over a hundred guests so if the guest is a videographer or a developer or a branding consultant or a social media consultant like it doesn't matter what they do for a job please do still give them a listen because it's all about the being freelance that's all at beingfreelance.com uh, but for now Jacob thank you so much all the best with becoming a dad uh, all the best with the travelling and all the best being freelance cheers thanks Steve